welcome to the Still Prepping Experience. I am your host, Madi Still, founder and CEO of Still Prepping 24-7, author of Persist Past Pain. I am so excited to be sitting here today. Today I'm interviewing someone that I admire, someone that I have followed my entire life, someone who has strength and courage and resilience, someone who has taught me how to be a better mother, and just recently someone who has really shown me what it means to be a better woman. Today I am interviewing my sister. So I welcome to the Still Prevent Experience my sister, Jennifer Kirk. Thank you. So Jen, um, I mean, I could tell everybody about you, but I want to hear from you. Tell me a little bit about yourself. So let's just get with some background and just kind of share with the audience, who is Jennifer Kirk? Okay, first of all, I'm not powerful. I know you think I am, but I'm not. I know my girls say I am, but I'm not. I am a mom. I'm 43. I'm a wife. Um, a woman who's still trying to figure it out. I'm 43. I feel like sometimes I'm 17. Sometimes I'm 20. Sometimes I feel wise. Sometimes I feel like I'm flailing. Um, I'm a Christian. I love makeup. I love dancing. I love yoga. I'm terrified some days to get out of bed. I'm just a woman like everybody else. And how many children do you have? I have four. I have a 21-year-old daughter who I think is powerful. And I have no idea how I raised her. I have a 19-year-old, kind, emotionally mature daughter. Two daughters. I have a third daughter who is 11 and spunky because she's in middle school. And I have a baby boy who's nine. And he is the prince. And he is mama's boy. And it's my life. So today we're talking about food. And we're talking about weight loss. And, um, you know, in my profession, helping women has become my passion. It's become like almost my ministry. And what I've been finding lately is that losing weight for a woman is so much bigger than eating the right foods. Yeah. It has to do with our relationship to food. You know, and it's funny because I'm right now I'm reading this book by Jen Sincero, You Are a Badass at Making Money. And um, I'm finding that my relationship to money was very dysfunctional growing up. And I'm having to change and shift a lot of the patterns that come with making money. And I started to think about what other things in life do we have a negative relationship to that's impacting our adulthood? So, Jen, you've lost 65 pounds now. Yeah. And how long did that 65 pounds take you? Um, March 6th. So about six and a half, seven months. Okay, so in, a, in, in less than seven months, you lost yeah. 65 pounds. Yeah. So let's start with the background. What was your relationship like to food when you were growing up? Okay. So growing up, as you know, because you grew up with me, um, we didn't have a lot of money. My dad was going to theological seminary and my mom was babysitting and we had nothing. We were pretty poverty level living down south. So food for us was easy stuff like pork and beans with hot dogs and like rice. Anything that you can make large amounts for no money. Nutrition was not important. It was staying alive and eating. Um, so... I was never taught nutrition. Um, funny story that I thought about earlier is when I met my husband, who comes from an affluential family. His relationship with food and food choices 
were so different mm. because his is about savoring and the taste and feeling good afterwards and ours was just about eating so so the difference between like enjoying food and yes. the experience versus just surviving with food right and right. i think we know in this country and many others it's much more expensive to eat a salad than it is to eat a fast food meal yeah. so um it kind of hit home to me i remember one of my childhood memories was you know my dad would they would scrounge pennies and his big thing was on a Sunday we could go after night church and go to McDonald's get a happy meal everybody and it was literally like my dad was counting out the dimes and but that sort of set a tone for fast food eating out is is joy and it's like an accomplishment and so it sort of set the whole tone for food being this pedestal thing and nutrition meaning nothing or even just the fact of, uh, I mean, as I'm listening to you talk, what about just the fact of we go out to eat as our family and that's what we do. So that's, yeah. food became what we did. And not only that, I mean, family gatherings. We had a grandmother who would make 20 kinds of Christmas cookies and so we would get together once a year for Christmas because a lot of us lived in different states and we had 20 kinds of cookies or the special Spanish dishes that we only made during the holidays. And remember, and it was an all-day thing. I actually miss those a lot. And Nanny was a slave driver yeah. in, like, making arepas. And it was just, it, it just really made food something that was so coveted in so many different ways, except for what it's meant to do to feed and fuel our bodies. So in, in saying that, what was it like watching your parents with food? What was their nutrition like? Um... It's funny because for something that's so valued on the other side, you want to talk about like our minds get these these pulls, pushes and pull. I don't know a woman in my family who values food in the right way. And so we kind of had this love-hate kind of relationship where all bad relationships that everybody's been in at one time, whether you be a teenage dating, you love them, you hate them, you push, you pull. And so every woman in our family has gained and lost the same 30 pounds since... They were in their Our 20s. entire lives, right. And don't understand why we're overweight because we never eat. We eat one meal a day, which obviously is not true. And I believe that of myself. Like, I don't know why I'm gaining all this weight. I eat nothing. And so it's just a, a it's this thing of like when you're in a really bad relationship, you kind of tune out. And I think it was just a, a, an ignoring of the facts that are there. And you're not mindful. And you just go through in like when it comes to food, it's almost like you get into this haze and you're not even paying attention but yet it brings so much comfort but then you deny what you're using it for it, it's it's all very unhealthy and it was something that I really spent a lot of time I, I still spent a lot of time um, going into what food is and was for me you know it's interesting I you're you're bringing up memories of my own childhood and I don't know that our parents really knew what healthy no. eating looked like no. I mean and, and, and I, and it's funny you brought up, um, meeting someone who is from an affluent background. You know, I was raised by a mother who was a single mom, worked two jobs. Mm -hmm. So TV dinners yeah. were a huge part of my life. You know, the one with the chicken yeah. and the mashed potatoes and the corn. Yeah. And that was what we, not only what we could afford, but what we had time for. Right. Now, my mom was an amazing cook my whole life. But like you said, those those meals didn't come as often. Yeah. Um, it was a lot of pork chops. It was a lot of, you know, things like that. And I never really understood 
what a balanced, nutritious meal, especially right. balanced and nutritious snacks, yes. really looked like. And I mean, it's still when my kids, you know, uh, even I remember last year or two years ago when my children spent the night with my parents and I said, how'd they eat? Great. Maddox had two pork chops, she had a cup of rice and some corn. And I'm thinking now with my brain that is learning, so what did her body, like it's all the same. There's no nutrition in there, but you know, but it was eat all your food. You sit there till you eat your food. And so it's, it just sets up this whole, like it's, it's not nutrition and it's not fuel, but it's important. And I think it's important that we also, you know, we honor our parents. Yes. I just want to make sure that that's no. said, like, I don't want them to hear this and say like, well, we did the best that we could. No, you know, no, we no. know that they did absolutely. the best that they could. Absolutely. And, and know, I think we're all learning still too. My mom has absolutely. learned a whole new way of learning nutrition. And so I think she would look back and go, oh my gosh, I can't believe that I, you know, but yeah, I mean, everybody, we're all doing the best we can. We're all learning constantly. So so in saying all of this and what we've learned about food and things of that nature, um, at what point did you start to gain your weight? Um, okay, so my marriage was in a really bad spot. Uh, my husband dealt with some addiction um, just from his familiar background, and um, he was really struggling. And in that, there's a lot of turmoil, and I was really struggling too. Um Struggling with food just in our or? marriage, um, struggling with self worth, struggling with you know choices, struggling with could I possibly be in a second failed marriage here? You know, struggling with a lot of mom guilt that we all have. What am I teaching my children? You know, struggling with you know him dealing with his issues and him struggling also. So it you know I can say you know. I was put on a medication that was that I gained 40 pounds in a year and that is a side effect of one of the medications but the reality was Okay so can we, let's just back okay. up real quick so you were placed on a medication I was I was for... having I was having severe migraines Okay um, do you think the migraines were um, a part of the stress that you were going through with your failing marriage 100% learning what I know now in codependent relationships which I was 100% codependent Tell um, me what 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 does it mean to be in a codependent relationship? So in a codependent relationship, you think you can save the other person, that mm. you can say more, you can threaten more, you can fix, you can do anything, especially with someone in an addiction issue. And the reality is, those types of behaviors keep the addiction going because it feeds into the chaos that fills an addiction lifestyle. Only what I've learned works for me is only when I was allowing him to reap the benefits and all of the negative crap that comes from living in addiction was he able to say I don't want to live this anymore it's too much and he ultimately got sober and he's been sober for years and congratulations so, thank you it's it's amazing um and it really addiction takes you to your person it takes into the family your beliefs addiction is so much more than just a substance but, so while he's dealing with his addiction yeah you're dealing with, with his addiction his addiction and and, and you said self-worth. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, today I struggle with self-worth issues. I st struggle with self-identity issues. You know, losing 65 pounds, you would think I'd be strutting my stuff and loving it. Yeah. If I'm naked in front of the mirror, I can tell you the five things that I hate about my body today. Mm. That's the first thing I see. So do you think, and we're going to come back to that because yeah. that's really good. So you think that mentally women who are smaller and lose weight and you know are supposed to feel great about themselves have just as many insecurity issues as women who are heavier i think maybe more wow i think maybe more because for me 
it was almost easier to be heavy in social circles. All right, you got to break that down. Well, for me, it was a big costume. And for me, heavier people in my circles are, and what I've seen is it's almost like they're more invisible. Um, it's easy to fade into the background of pictures. It's easier to put the kid in front of your lap. It's easier to just kind of fade into the background and not have to feel or think. And it's almost like a costume or, a, or armor that you put on for the world. When you're thin, um, not that I'm tuning my own horn, I'm pretty, but people say that I'm pretty, then people want to hear what you say and people want to compliment you and they expect you to kind of be this like outgoing you know, using the way I look. And I'm not that person. I'm very shy inside. I'm very fragile. I'm very aware of my body in the space. When, I'm over, when I was overweight, I didn't have to do, worry about any of that. It was kind of like people saw the weight and not me. And that was something I was very happy to hide behind. So why did you want to lose the weight then? If you, if you were comfortable in hiding and you were comfortable not being the center of attention, then what was your why? Um, I have three daughters and I want them to be comfortable with who they are. Good, bad, ugly. Like I want them to be comfortable with who they are. I don't want them to ever have to hide who they are. I wasn't happy. Even though I was hiding and I was comfortable, there's a difference between comfort and happiness. Mm. I wasn't happy. I was embarrassed. I was uncomfortable physically. Summers were hot. I didn't like to wear a bra. I mean, it was just, I was physically uncomfortable and I can't even tell you what the one thing was, but something happened and I was just like, this is enough. I hear, I heard this one quote that I love and it's that it's actually Jim Rohn that says it. People change for one of two reasons. It's either inspiration or desperation. Which one do you think was for you? Probably desperation. Mm. And it was just, I think to now that I'm thinking about it, there was something about it, my mom getting bypass surgery and losing weight and seeing her sort of come into her own. And I don't know, it's so selfish, but something about seeing her number and my number get closer, I was like, oh, hell no. <laughs> no, no. Because I think, you know, when you're overweight, you always go, well, I'm here, but I'm not there. Mm. And when her there became my here, I was like, oh, no, 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 mm. no. No, this is not happening. And literally, it was that for me. Wow. And it's so shallow to say it, but that's literally but that's your reason. It's my reason because yeah. then there was no excuse to go. Well, I'm, in my mind, it was like, okay, I might be here, but I'm not there. Yeah. When that there became like here, I was like, oh no, uh-uh, mm. not gonna happen. You've just said so much. So let me just, I, I'm like, I, I want to go back to the marriage and then I want to come yeah. back because you said your mom had bypass surgery. Yes. So I want to go into that. So um, you said that, when you were, you were getting heavier when yeah. your husband was struggling with his addiction yeah. issues. Do you think you were getting heavier because you were had you were facing an addiction too to food, or was it that um, the more outright his addiction came, the more you wanted to hide from that addiction, so you were packing on pounds to hide from it? What do you think, other than the medication that they placed you on for your migraines, was the cause of that weight? I think it was a more of the second thing that you said um but it was also it was something else to focus on to where I was not mindful in my own life and my own space at all so you were putting so many other things before so your many own other self. things I couldn't tell you what I ate in a day I couldn't tell you how many times I ate in a day days went by like this 
And I, I remember there was a couple of times where I would go, oh yeah, remember last week? And one of my children would go, yeah, that was this morning. But in my mind, I was in that sort of not identifying, not being mindful, which is so easy to get into anyway in my life with four children. But in an addiction situation where everything is always moving and changing, um, you know, just to be clear, my husband wasn't an everyday thing. It was like everything would be wonderful. And then three weeks later, like, bam, or three months, and you just feel like, so you're just waiting. And so you're not aware of any of your own body in my, in my own space. And so I just wasn't, I was not paying attention to anything that I was doing. I'm sure there are some women that are hearing this and they're thinking, okay, so I feel like she's speaking me. I feel like I'm in a position where I'm always putting other people first. And, and it I, doesn't have to be addiction. It, it doesn't, right. It can be because right. I'm a single mom and I have two, I have two jobs and a, and a kid that I have to get through daycare and get to school and whatever. That just happened to be the thing that was my excuse to like not be aware of myself. So you just said the key word. You said that was my excuse. Yeah. So I want you to just really quickly, um, and maybe I'm jumping ahead a little bit in this interview, but how do you stop that? How do you stop putting other people's needs so far ahead of your own that you lose yourself in the process. For me, I just got kind of sick of it. Realized I was teaching my children some really, really damaging behaviors. And you said something to me once, and I don't even remember the exact quote, but you kind of made me look at it. And like, why don't you see yourself the way anybody else does? Mm -hmm. And it kind of made me look like, you know what? I am a damn strong woman. You know, I've been through it with some really horrible stuff. And I'm still here, and I have wonderful children, and I better damn teach them. And you know what? I gotta say it, my husband's a wonderful man. He's a wonderful father. He's changed so much to where it's like, you wouldn't even know, like, you know. Where, yeah. You know, he used to be like that, like, non-involved father. And the other day, he, like, stayed home sick, made the doctor's appointment, took the kid to the doctor while I could go to work. And I was just like, who's this guy, you know? And it's just... I'm it sure was, a lot of that is a testament to the strength that you portrayed as a wife during well, that time, of too. of course, because he has his own... He had his own self-worth issues that fed into why he was wow. doing his own stuff, too. So, we're... I mean, once we could both identify that and realize that we love each other anyway, and we're going to work through it, but yet I'm going to work through my stuff, and I'm not going to let your stuff bother my self-work... And vice versa, because my stuff's really none of your business, and your stuff's none of mine. Oh my gosh. So guys, I just want to repeat that. My stuff is none of your business, and your stuff is none of mine. Wow, that's powerful. And once you can give each other space, it's amazing how... It's so crazy, but as you give each other space, it's amazing how close you can get. You just helped it. so many wives <laughs> I mean, struggling in their marriage. I mean, because it's not just addiction that we face in our marriages. No. There's so many things, but just it's knowing to give. It's expectation. And once you, you gotta let that shit go. So, oh. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta let it go. Because yeah. I remember you used to tell me all the time, like manage your, your expectations. expectations so that you can discipline your disappointments. I actually, one of my close friends, Okima Timor, she's actually the person that told me that. And, you know, the minute I started to live my life of managing my expectations and not expecting so much of people so that I'm not disappointed, yeah, it changed my marriage, my friendships, It's amazing my how far those people will go mm -hmm. and they over, like, it's amazing. Yeah. Then when you're holding, because I was really holding down. Yeah. So let's just 
that was so good. <laughs> All right, I'm just like, hold on, let me just podcast digest that for a, a second. Like, because <laughs> I'm like, man, we could have three different <laughs> podcasts know. just on that. But so let's go back to. Um, so I know that you were you were you were at your heaviest. Yeah. You decided it was time to do something. You mentioned your mom had bypass surgery. Yes. Um, I don't want to necessarily go into her story right. too much. But seeing her getting her bypass surgery, how did that impact the courage? And then what did you do, therefore, to lose your weight? First thing I realized that I didn't want to get that far. It's, it's a pretty, I mean, it's a life-saving, it's a pretty extreme procedure where that has lifelong, like lifelong issues that you deal with. And, you know, for my mom, it was the, op- it was the best option for her. And I'm not taking away from her options. She and I have talked about it in length. Um, but for her, she's you know, in her late sixties and she, it was something for her that she needed to do. First I had to let go because I was totally against it. Mm -hmm. And I had to realize that she is her own woman. She's the only one who knows her journey. She's the one that made her decision. But I did not know, I did know that I did not want to do that. Um, I was, I don't want to say only, but I was a BMI of 30.1. So I would not have you know, qualified anyway, but I knew that it was, once you hit 40, for me, it was just harder and harder and harder and harder. And so I knew that eventually I would be there and I didn't want to get there. And I don't know why that was the thing that made me just kind of like wake up, like you are at the precipice where you're going to, you're going to be there or you're going to end up just living fat and you need to do something. It just, it's what it was for me. Um, so I started researching just ways I, I you know I tried the dieting I, you know I would lose the 20 pounds and it would just freeze and I would just really struggle and it was like the effort for me because my hormones were so out of whack from medications gaining it you know I've only really been overweight for six years five years at that point so it was such a fast change it wasn't a lifelong struggling with weight so I really thought that I needed to do something and what did you do? I got an intragastric balloon. So what? So um, so you said you you tried dieting. I tried you know, dieting, shots, B twelve shots, HCG shots, um, mm-hmm. you know, Weight Watchers, everything, everything, mm-hmm. everything. And and I want to make sure that we're clear on, with the audience too. I think everything works for someone. Everything does work for someone, right? So um, mm-hmm. I you know this this interview isn't to promote one healthy lifestyle no. or one choice over another. Um, I'm, I'm sure you still do certain things. I do still to do maintain. Certain, and actually, everything worked for me. Right. Um, everything had success, but it wasn't. I wasn't able to be consistent long term. Whether it be boredom or self sabotage. I mean, there was a lot oh, wow. of those things. There was a lot of those things involved, which we can get into. Yeah. That for me, the intragastric balloon doesn't allow me to self sabotage. Some other people still do that I've learned, but for me, it took that out of it. So you think that a lot of what you were doing, it was working. It was just that you were stopping yourself to some extent. Yeah. And, and I think everybody has to have their, their reasoning. So for me, having to be humble enough to go to my husband, who is very frugal, and say, Honey, I am not able to lose this weight. I need X amount of thousands of dollars to take a chance on me for six months. Can I please have it? Wow. That was, Scary first of all, that. you have to say that out loud <laughs> because people who are overweight, we don't like to say that kind of stuff. I had to be in a place where I was so humble. And he's a like 
prove it to me kind of guy. You know, he's very frugal and he makes very good. So for him to give up the dough, he's got to like look into it and it's a major decision. And so it was kind of like for me, this is my no excuse, no chance time because my husband is forking over this money. He's going to make sure that he gets an investment on his return. And I had to make sure that if I'm asking it of him, you better be ready. I better be ready. Right. And he said, come back to me in three months if you still want to do it. Mm. And I was like, okay. So then I started journaling about why. That's in, So that's interesting. So you were preparing yourself mentally yeah. for what you were going to go through before you even had permission from him yes. to do it. So I looked up. I looked up. I didn't know that. <laughs> okay. I looked up side effects. You know, I... So tell... Well, but you know what? Okay. That's, a, that's a really good point. So what is the gastric balloon? Okay, so an intragastric balloon, there are different types. There's three different types available in the U.S. The type I chose um, is the reshape. So it's a dual balloon. So it's shaped like a dumbbell. Okay, mm. there's other... There's reasons why. Mine was because it fills up more of the stomach. Um, it fills up approximately two-thirds of the volume of your stomach. And so it allows for about one cup volume at a time. Now, we all know the stomach can grow, so you can still, if you really want to override it, you could, but it's got enough side effects. So when you first get it, the first three days, I was sick as a dog. Mm. I mean, I was really sick because my body's trying to throw it up. It's trying to get rid of it. And it was enough for me to be like, okay, I'm not wasting this because I literally just dry heaved 85 times in three days. You know, so for me, it was enough of, for me... Going to a surgical center to have something implanted in your body that costs thousands of dollars to have to check in with your doctor once a month to where he's going to put you on the scale. And then you have to answer to your husband who forked up the money was enough for me to take it seriously. That drastic. For me. Mm -hmm. Now, for someone it might not be. For someone it might be a lot less. But for me, that's what it took because I knew I didn't want to get to surgery but for me, it was enough to where it was close enough to surgery to where I couldn't ignore it. There's so many appointments and you can't ignore the fact that you've got this thing in your system. And for our listeners who maybe this is their first time hearing about the gastric balloon, how is it different from getting the surgery, bypass surgery? Well, it's not permanent. So you wear it, you have them inserted for six months. Okay. Okay. But it's a year long program. So you do get a Fitbit scale. There's a Fitbit portal. You go to your doctor, they have to input your weight, they do nutrition counseling for the six months that you have the balloon, and then there's another six months after the balloon that you're continuing. So some people lose all their weight in the six months, some people who have more to lose will lose about half, you'll lose the majority in the first six months, and then it's about maintaining and learning. So the doc my doctor was very, very honest. It's a tool. You can waste all this money and all this time if you just don't wanna learn anything and rely on the balloon, never learn new habits. And you're post-balloon now. I'm post-balloon. Um, September 18th it was removed, so close to a month. Post. So during the six months that you had the balloon, you talked about self-sabotage. Yeah. What did you learn during that six months about self-sabotage, about your relationship to food, and about how to never go back that you're still maintaining such amazing weight loss. Okay, well my self-sabotage was a little different. I'm part of um, a support group, so you see a lot of people's stories. Okay, so my self-sabotage Would was, you recommend, by the way, that people join a support 100%. group? 
because you can see, you know, people talk and they, you know, post and they talk about feelings. And I'm a big one who's always like, go into the emotional part. Some women don't want to do it. They don't even want to go there. Um, you have to learn, you know, my doctor is very scientific, so he's very about teaching. He's very about like, you know, part of what the balloon does is your stomach is never really empty. So you're, you know, we become leptin resistant. And so our bodies just kind of hold on to food, which I was one of those who would like eat sporadically or try not to eat to lose weight and then lose five pounds because I'm fasting and then eat something crappy and it all comes on. You sort of have to time out if you're going to be comfortable because you don't want to eat too much and be too overfull because then you're throwing it up probably. Mm. Um, you have to learn to eat spaced out volume make it protein and you know carbs tend to give you really bad breath because I think they stick to the balloon you know there's a lot of little things um but in the group you see people like you but then you kind of see people where you're like <laughs> you know like when you know I'll have somebody who'll be on the group and be like the balloon does nothing I can eat just as much and is just as much volume as I want or I tried out the balloon to see if it would make you know I ate half a bag of chips and you're like why would you even try? Mm. You know, and so then you see behaviors and you kind of identify behaviors and it just keeps you on your toes, I think. Mm. So I would say any, if you're trying to lose weight in any way, find a group of people that you can get together to talk to mm -hmm. and be really honest with so that you can identify behaviors that maybe you don't have yet, that maybe you will or maybe you won't or you can impart wisdom because anything you're doing weight loss wise, somebody, you'll see something, you'll be like, why would you do that? Really? And a lot of it too, I think is, um, we don't realize, like I said, the relationship we have. So yeah. we'll self-sabotage our eating habits. And then when you look at how is this implemented in all of my life? Well, I think I remember Where I'm constantly you... quitting or I'm restarting yeah. or... I think I remember when I started, I think I lost 25 pounds. It started really showing. You're like, how do you feel? And I'm like, I feel like a baby that somebody took a pacifier away from. Like you, you, you're constantly looking for something to wear. It's just a very fragile state. And so then you have to go into the emotional part because why are you so fragile because you're losing weight? You would think it'd all be like, yay! Mm. But you're like, you're literally so fragile. I almost felt like I wanted to hide at home because I never had anything to wear. I would buy something two weeks later, it'd be too big. That's not all positive. You're in a very fragile, I don't like to be fragile emotionally. I like to put off that I'm this strong, resilient woman. And that's only half of me. That's kind of what I put on for the outside world. The people who are very close to me know that I'm shy and fragile and cry every day a lot for stupid things. <laughs> you know, like I think you came over and I'm like teary, like, oh, you know, <laughs> but that's just who I am. And so when you're going through a lot of body changes, it's magnified. Yeah. And so you have to kind of go into that for me translated into, well, who am I without all this weight? Mm. And am I? So answer that for me. You just, I, I'm that, a deeply feeling, very crazy, neurotic person who's really shy, who sometimes will hide behind her looks to make it seem like I'm more carefree. I really care deeply. People hurt me deeply with like off-the-cuff statements that I really should probably be tougher against, but I care about what people think about me. It's so stupid and it's so shallow, but I care deeply about what people think about me. The interesting thing is I don't think you'd ever want your daughters to never care about that. Never. That's the number one thing I teach. You be you. Don't worry about what people think about you. Even right. with my son. My son has some sensory issues and he's not as sports oriented as other boys. And I'm like, you be you. So 
I teach completely different than what I really feel. Mm -hmm. But if I had to be honest, I'm really fragile. I really Mm -hmm. care what people think about me. Mm -hmm. It bothers me a lot. That's something to work on. I'm constantly working on it. Yeah. Still working on it. So when you were journaling during the process of that six months, Mm -hmm. what did you find about food and what did you find out about yourself and your body image and what did you find about how to never go back okay so where it came to food is I started journaling about how did I feel after I ate something so I have a very different relationship with food that I did before so my husband loves to go out to eat well when you really can't eat in the first few months too much you make the restaurant about what you want and spending time with you so I used to plan, what am I going to eat when I go out? You know, and it used to be all about that when I was heavy. Now it's like, he's like, where do you want to go? I don't care. Wherever you want to go. I'm going to choose something that I can eat. I like to choose, I choose foods. I never even go anymore to any kind of food that makes me feel good. I choose foods that will do something for me in what I need. So if I'm healing and I need some more protein because I worked out and I'm sore, I will eat protein because it's going to do something for me. I'm not going to waste it on popcorn Mm. like why would I do that it's not doing anything for me Um, if I'm cold and I want you know I do a lot of healthy meals that I've you know sometimes we want comfort food if we want something warm but I always make sure that there's some kind of fuel it's giving me and it's not just about a feeling because feelings are fleeting I could feel sad one morning I'm not gonna feed that sadness Wow like I'd rather starve the sadness and feed the feeling good. Yeah. Right? I mean, why would I feed the sadness? That's so good. Why would I make, you know, when you feed something, you're taking care of it, right? That in our, that's what we're taught. I'm not going to nurture sadness. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let it happen because you can't ignore sadness. You have it, but you feed moving on. Mm-hmm. And so you get up, you have something that's going to fuel you to go out and walk to cure the sadness and help the sadness. I'd rather do that. That's really good. Talk about like a totally different life with food than how you grew up. Because when you grew up, you said, you know, going to McDonald's was yeah. like the, the treat of the week and, you know, all these unhealthy things. So you literally had to relearn everything you knew about everything. food. It's a lot of research. Um, I, do, I do a prep day and cook the majority of the meals. And this is why I do it. Because... <laughs> Um, we got a little sidetracked yeah. because of the phone ringing, but, um, and that's okay. So, but I do have a question for you. Um, in thinking about everything you've learned and you know, it's funny, you said some days I have wisdom and some days I don't, I feel yeah. like today you do <laughs> yeah. for sure. Well, this afternoon I do. Yeah. <laughs> maybe this, maybe not this morning, but definitely this afternoon. But what is one piece of advice that you could give to a woman who is, struggling with her weight loss, struggling with knowing who she is, struggling with putting herself first. You know, women have become such a passion Mm -hmm. of, I think both of us now have this purpose that we've identified as helping women be secure in themselves. So what do you tell the woman listening today that's going, this is me? Probably what I teach, this is what I say to my middle schooler and I say it because she's a young woman. And she's learning how to be a woman. And she loves food. So I always choose to say, what can you choose that's kind to yourself? What can you choose to eat that's kind to you? But be kind to yourself. Okay, it's okay to say, 
I'm going to choose to be kind to myself because you can't help anyone if you're not whole. You can't help, you can't lift up children. You can't teach them if you're not taking care of yourself. And so there are many times, trust me, with four children and a husband who travels a lot, it's very easy for everybody to go, but I need, but I need. And sometimes I just go, I'm taking care of me right now. Wow. And it is very hard, but I will walk away and choose to care for my, for me because they're going to be okay. And it's a good lesson to learn. But did you die? <laughs> right. Well, I mean, it's a good lesson to learn that you're going to be okay. And I'll have a funny quick story. My daughter, my oldest, was traveling. She was getting ready to travel. We had already said goodbye. Um, I went out to dinner with my husband. We went out on a date night. And she popped by the house unannounced to say goodbye one more time. And she was very upset that I wasn't home. And she wasn't able to, with that extra half an hour, give me an extra hug. And I went... I was out being Jennifer. Mm. I am a whole person who's also not your mom, but I'm also your mom. I felt that right here. I felt that right in my spirit. If you think I'm going to be there waiting for you to call, I'm always going to be there for you. But when you leave, I'm not sitting by the phone waiting for it to ring because then I'd be empty. We have to work on making ourselves whole, not filling it with food, but really making ourselves whole, being mindful of everything we do, including eating. Are we moving enough? Are we taking care of ourselves? Are we bathing? I mean, you know, it's an age old mat, you know, mom's three days, no shower. Why? Mm. Why? Like women, mother earth is a woman. Like, we have power yeah. to further ourselves, but we also have power to hold ourselves down. Wow. And so, what are you going to choose? I chose to lift myself up, but also know I'm flawed and, and accept myself for that. I'm teary. I'm a teary, crazy girl who will cry at commercials that my kids are always laughing at, but that's me. I'm crazy. That's okay. I think about how many women <laughs> were just freed from that line that you said that I am a whole woman when I'm not your mom. I'm Jennifer. I'm Jennifer. I'm Madi. The woman that's listening to this right now is going, I'm so-and-so. And I think about how many women forgot who she was. I was at a point at some point in my life, back heavy when I was gaining all the weight, where I couldn't tell you. I think you asked me once, what do you like to do? Mm-hmm. I had no answer. I had no answer. You said, I like to be a mom. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, How limiting. it's kind of sad. Now, where's the, because I, I think the question actually was, what's your purpose? Right. And, and you said, my purpose is being a mom. Now, that I, I think that's an amazing right. purpose. Right. You know, my mom and I actually recently had this conversation and it dawned on us. Um, it was actually at, at church on Monday. The sermon was about purpose over popularity. And she said, I think my purpose is just being your mom. And I said, that's great. There's nothing wrong with no. your purpose being a mother. No. The problem is when being a mother makes you forget who you are to the right. rest of the world. Right. And as you know, I've always been a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. I've chosen that life. I've chosen a very domesticated... Me too now. I know. But you know, <laughs> some people, women, that's not enough. Kudos to them. Yeah. Great. Wonderful. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. And we need to stop... We need to stop judging each judging other. Judging each other. For wanting to fill that part of themselves. Yeah. For me, I'm filled in different ways. 
that are about building me and my emotional health. But for someone, it must it might be going to work. And you know what? Awesome. Great. There is no judgment, and there should not be. Why are we so busy pointing the finger at each other when we can just try to lift each other up? And how can I help you achieve your goals? And how can I learn from something right. you're achieving to make my mission stronger? Right. Yeah, I agree. So my last question of yeah. the interview, and I just want to say you're doing great. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, my last question is 20 years from now, Jennifer is going to look back at her 40-something-year-old self. What would you say to this Jennifer 20 years from now? Um, honestly, that you've done great. Mm. You know, 20 years from now, I'm going to look back and go, oh my God, look how fetch I was. When now I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, it doesn't look the same as it did when I was 30. You know, and like, give yourself a break. We're all just trying to figure it out. And give yourself a break. You're doing awesome. You're doing the best you can with the tools you can. You've even taken the tools that you've learned and learned new tools to better yourself and your family and your community. Kudos to you. That's amazing. That's something that I'm going to take home every day. I'm going to say, you're doing great, body. Kudos to you. You're doing great. You got out of bed. You braved the world. You went out. You did the hard thing for your child. You gave your husband a hug. You chose not to fight today. You chose to overlook something that would really be annoying. You chose to love yourself. You chose to say no to someone in response to give yourself a yes. What else is there? What else is there? What else is there? Well, guys, as you can see, um, I chose the right person (laughs) to be my first interview. Um, I didn't just choose her because she's my sister. I chose her um, because she's an incredible human being, not just an incredible woman. And she says all the time, I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a feminist. Um, But I think from this interview, you've probably seen even more. And I hope that Something that was said today gives you a little bit of hope and encouragement and self-love and that you realize your self-worth. And for those of you who are really struggling with pain and you're struggling with moving forward and you're struggling with finding who you are, uh, you can go to www.madistill.com and you can check out my newly released book, Persist Past Pain. Thank you again for listening to the Still Prepping Experience. Jennifer, thank you so much for your time today. I love you. I love you too. I love the woman that you are. And thank you for helping me find the woman that I am. And to the listeners, thanks for watching. I hope you share today's podcast and that you have a great day.